like to remind myself that uh, I'm not asking people for money. I'm asking people to do good things. Mm. I'm asking them to change right. the world, to make you know an impression on the world, mm. uh, and that makes it all a lot easier all the way around. Welcome to the Abundant Vision Fundraising Podcast. Whether you're a seasoned professional or a first-time fundraiser, we have the advice you need to take your next step towards major gift mastery. I'm your host, Tom Dauber, president of Abundant Vision Philanthropic Consulting. Welcome to part three of our conversation with fundraising veteran, Dr. William Bartolini. Let's pick up where we left off. Now, you mentioned, too, I know that, that you're involved in, in yes. volunteering with AFP, uh, and you do some things on the, right. the ACFRE. that board, yeah. Tell me, a, uh, tell me a bit about AFP. Sure. I mean, I know about AFP. I'm a member, but, but I, I'm curious for our audience, what's the advantage of being involved with, with AFP, and, and why do you choose to well, remain involved uh, with I like it? to say that AFP made my career because that's where I learned about fundraising and AFP offered me not only the educational opportunities, lots of workshops, the international conference, you know, that brings together 3,000 people, 4,000 people to talk about development and also brings together the resources that one needs to be successful whether that be software or some other uh, technique now, of course, um, it would more likely be some sort of um, auction software. Yeah, those kinds of things. Yes. So the International Conference brought those kinds of things together for me. But most of all, it was knowing that there was a group and becoming and building a network of people who yes. supported me, not only intellectually in learning, but supported me emotionally when I had those tough times. Yes. So for me, AFP, Association of Fundraising Professionals, really became an important resource um, and, if you will, a facil facilitator of my growth. Uh, AFP, through the AFP Foundation for Philanthropy, has been funding a lot of research that impacts the profession. Um, and AFP has been involved with um, lobbying and working with government agencies so that um, AFP for me is not only what I can get out of it, but it's also how it helps to lead the profession, which becomes very important. Yeah. I see. And maybe you could talk a little bit about the the C free and the the AC free and 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 how they're different sure. and and you know not everybody has one. But well, why should a absolutely. Get and that? Yeah. so the um, CFRE I think is an important credential yes. because it indicates that someone has achieved a certain level of competence. I think it helps uh, organizations know that this is a person who has been involved in continuing education, has a level of knowledge, is recognized by their peers. And maybe I should back up in just a moment. Let me talk about what the CFRE process is. 
And that is that Please. one has to submit uh, credentials. You submit a rather long application and you share um, wh- what um, additional uh, education you've received beyond formal education, meaning academic education, but education through workshops yes. and through ethics, um, uh, conferences, all those kinds of things. So you have that application, which quite frankly, I think is the hardest thing in the process. And mm. I always like to recommend yeah. Yeah. that um, people put a little file folder down in their lower desk drawer. And whenever they attend um, an AFP workshop or other uh, workshop, they put a copy of what that was about, you know, just print off the calendar entry and put it in that envelope. And then in that manila folder, put the uh, end of year uh, fundraising um, that you have, the fundraising report. Uh, If you write a grant report that you're really proud of, put that in there. And it makes then coming out and pulling that out and putting the uh, application together much easier. So in any case, that's probably too long, but an application. Secondly, of course, um, you have to take a test. And that test is to see if you've got certain knowledge and, you know, which is great. And that certification from the CFRE lasts three years. Now, Mm -hmm. that's generally for folks who are within the first 10 years of their career. The... ACFRE, advanced CFRE, advanced certified fundraising executive, is really for those people Mm -hmm. who not only know the technique of fundraising, but are concerned about the why of fundraising, the where we're going, Mm -hmm. how we're going to meet um, the future of fundraising. And that process is very similar. You, again, submit an application. You then submit a portfolio to show off your work. Mm-hmm. Third, you have a written okay. exam. And then finally, there is a face-to-face orals exam. I sure. See. Now go back for a second, if you don't mind. When you say a portfolio, Absolutely. what are you talking so about? So the portfolio actually um, is has uh, several categories in it. Um, the uh, applicant gets to pick two of the five categories. So if your focus has been grant writing with foundations or with corporations, you pick that as a category and demonstrate that you know how to do that. You might include a proposal that you wrote and what you learned from it. Um, Or if you are a major gifts person, you could go ahead and, and do something around major gifts, talk about a solicitation, what happened, or an annual fund person. So there are opportunities there. Uh, but then there is a request that you uh, demonstrate your knowledge of ethics and uh, that you support the AFP code of ethics um, and uh, then a couple of other categories as well. So it, it's a really nice document. Um, it's just done in a three ring binder, three inch binder. And uh, you go ahead and submit two copies or do it electronically if you'd like. That's great. I think that'll be really helpful to folks listening in that, that may not well, be familiar with the process. Well, and we do actually, for the ACFRE, we make sure that people have a mentor, a coach, 
a guide to help them through that process. Because a lot of folks talk about it being uh, an event that changed them. A lot of people talk about the ACFRE journey and how they changed as they went through the journey. Because most people take 18 months to go through that. And, you know, again, as with what I learned from the doctorate, I think you think differently at the end of the process. I uh, very much have enjoyed my time being involved with AFP. In fact, I've got to renew my membership this month because it it expired and I feel terrible, Bill. I'm going to make sure I, I get it done this week, though, I promise. You know, you are. Yeah, you know, uh, okay, I'm going to hold you to that. You know, you're talking also to the membership director for our local chapter. No, really? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. You know, if I'm a young fundraiser uh, or or maybe the nonprofit CEO, uh, I'm I'm inexperienced as a fundraiser, what what might I get out of becoming a member of AFP? The uh, the research shows us um, that networking is the number one thing, uh, building a network of other fundraisers and the education that comes from that, not only um, meeting with other yes. fundraisers, but then the resources that come to you in terms of workshops, conferences, uh, and that sort of thing. Uh, but there's something else, and that is, I think, the, the uh, code of ethical practice code of ethics really does become a guidestone and something one can use in one's career several times. Um, I've had some organizations I've worked for who wanted to do things that were just a little bit, you know, out of ethical practice, out of code. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of people run into that where, you know, the boss wants the dollars and says, well, don't worry about it. You know, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll go ahead and take care of that. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. We'll spend it the way they say. Oh, you don't need that document. And, and the code of ethical practice gives the development officer a backing. Okay. I had one organization yeah. I was working yeah. with. We had, of course, some donor funds that um, had different restrictions. And they went ahead and wiped all the income off of the endowments, put it in the general fund and said, oh, it's okay because we are doing that. We're spent, you know, we are spending the money. I said, but you can't tell the donor how you're spending the money. You can't tell the donor what the impact. You're just using it like an ATM, like another source of income instead of specific to what the donor agreed and what you, the organization, agreed to do. And I almost left. In fact, I did leave shortly thereafter, uh, but I almost left just because of that. So the code of ethics from AFP, and that's been adopted now by a number of different organizations, I think is very important. The other thing that I have found that AFP has really helped me with is having the donor bill of rights. Uh, I've been able to take it to, again, using it to back me up, take it to the boss and say, hey, here's the way we need to operate. Here are the, the, the rights that the donor has. They have a right to see our financial statements. They have a right to know that we spent the money in accordance with our agreement. And that has helped me a great deal. So I think there are a lot of 
both the tangible resources that AFP brings, but there's also might be some of the intangible, if you will, um, that is yes. really very helpful. It's hard to believe, but December is upon us already. Not only does that mean end of year fundraising, but it's also the time we start thinking about the gifts we give each other. Well, I have a special gift for you, my listening audience. Now through January 10th, Abundant Vision Academy is 50% off for my listeners. That's a $375 value. Just enter the coupon code half off, that's one word, to get your discount. In about 100 minutes, I'll walk you through step by step everything you need to know to begin identifying, qualifying, cultivating, soliciting, and stewarding major gifts for your organization. I'll answer questions like, How do I inspire my constituents to give more than they ever have before? How do I know when someone is likely to make a major gift? How do I decide how much to ask someone for? How do I determine what my fundraising goals are in the first place? What do I say when faced with objections? How do I get someone to agree to a meeting with me? And what do I say during that meeting? Just head to thomas-dauber-s-school.teachable.com and click on Abundant Vision Academy to get your discount today. The link will also be in the podcast description. You and I have done some work together during our time at The Ohio State University, and there have been a few little you know, questions, a few, a few ways of approaching donors to get them thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that I've seen you do. I was wondering, could you share a few of those sorts of things with us today? I'm, you know, which one I'm thinking about. <laughs> yes, I know you're hinting to the um, uh, magic wand um, is what I think you're doing there. So, uh, you know, I think that it's really important that we elicit what people's values are because we need to link into their values. That becomes an important motivator. And so I often uh, will uh, pick up a pen, hand a pen to somebody and say, this may look like an ordinary pen, but if you bear with me for just a minute, let's pretend that it's a magic wand. And I'd like to ask you to swipe this magic wand in a big arc through the air and tell me what would you change? What would you change about the world if money was no object. And it's a wonderful way to elicit. I mean, people always will laugh and and all. Sometimes they'll give a response like, um, well, I'd get rid of that no good son-in-law of mine, which is okay. You know, know, we laugh and then I say, well, you know, and I can channel the conversation by asking other questions to the point that they will actually share what's important to them. And you've used it, haven't you, Tom? I sure have to, to great success. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it becomes really important. And in fact, one of the things I would uh, give some advice to our younger fundraisers, our younger professionals, yeah. is to read books about asking and yeah. how to ask for gifts. I think that was one of the things that I grew uh, in my technique through the years. Um, yeah. One of the things is to uh, make sure that when you ask a question, you give context first. Right. So ask a statement and then ask the question. You know, Tom, 
we have been uh, looking at our organization, trying to figure out what things are really important to our donors. Do you mind sharing what's important to you? What would you want to change in the world if if money was no object? So it gives that context that we can move people forward. And and they it also gives them a little bit of think time to figure out what their answer is going to be. So just one little thing, asking lots of books out there about asking. Um, Gail Perry has got several things on asking. So does uh, Amy Eisenstein, uh, other consultants. So, uh, and as I say, lots of good books about asking. There's one yes. other thing that I, I learned that I found really helpful. I don't remember who taught me this, but the idea was that when I went into a solicitation, I had to make sure that I took myself out of the solicitation. So in other words, and, and I had a friend who did this little visualization with me at one point, and that was putting, imagining a paper bag on the table and putting into that paper bag all your credit cards, all your concerns about, oh, you know, am I going to make the, the, the payments on the house or the, my rent or any of those kinds of things. And envision that, that paper bag, the top rolling down, it suddenly sprouts wings and off it goes and it flies out through the clouds. And it's just a, an emotional way of saying, ah, this isn't about me and my background. And I have to approach the donor, yes. the prospect, based on where they are, not where I am. And it took me a while to learn that because it's easy to go to somebody who's got an extra million dollars and think, oh my God, you know, I'll never be in that situation. Oh my God. And lift them up and put them on a pedestal. When in reality, we're approaching them, we're offering a service. We're helping facilitate their doing good things. And that's a real honor and a pleasure. I like to remind myself that uh, I'm not asking people for money. I'm asking people to do good things. I'm asking them to change right. the world, to make you know an impression on the world, mm. uh, and that makes it all a lot easier, all the way around. Yeah. No, I you know I found because my first fundraising role, I was you know making sure. minimum wage basically, and um, it was so hard for me to to ask someone yeah. for a thousand dollars a year because I just couldn't comprehend you know mm-hmm. that type of money. And so when I when I came to Ohio State, and obviously we were soliciting much larger amounts of money than right. $1,000 a year, there was a real psychological barrier I had to break through myself. And it involved, I, I didn't necessarily think about it the way you described it, getting rid of my, my own baggage yeah. and my own projections, you know, mm-hmm. on the donor. Yeah. So that's wonderful advice yeah. that you're giving. Well, I found and, that to be true. Something else that's kind of the corollary is, you know, when I'm teaching fundraising and I love to go out and do workshops and I feel like I'm making a contribution, you know, that's valuable. But when I go out and do these workshops, I will often ask, what's what's a major gift in your organization? And people come back and say, oh, $1,000 or 5,000, or if they're in a big organization, oh, you know, 50,000, something like that. 
but they all have a major gift, you know, level. And then I'll say to them, okay, but let's talk about your top donor or pick a donor. What is their major gift level? And it becomes important that we think about major gifts, not from the organization standpoint, but rather from the donor standpoint and what could the donor give. And that becomes much more important and a much better judge rather than just assuming, oh, I'm going to go out and ask for $1,000 because that's a major gift. And this is a major gift donor. Well, maybe that donor can afford to give 5000 or 10000 or more. And so mm-hmm. how do we meet them yeah. where yeah, they sure. are instead of where we or our organization is? The, the thing that makes you a great fundraiser, and, and forgive me for flattering sure. you right now, but but you you have this very disarming way of asking very mm. direct questions that you, and you just get right to the point and uh, but you do it in a way that that mm-hmm. doesn't offend people and i have learned so much from you as a as a major gift fundraiser and as i'm as i'm out consulting and, and coaching i oftentimes will quote oh, you wow. and cite you i mean really you you just you have have such a wonderful well, thank way you. About i really appreciate that now as you yeah. use that that approach has there ever been a time where it really lay, you know, paved the way for your ask? Like you heard somebody say something and it just, it just very naturally led you to a place of, well, hey, we can, we can talk absolutely. about a gift that would help you do that. So for instance, uh, we might have a donor who says, oh, you know, I just, I worry about these kids. You know, college has gotten so expensive nowadays and I keep hearing about the debt. And uh, then I just simply say, well, I'm hearing that you're, passionate about that. Is that correct? So I asked the donor to go ahead and reaffirm. Yeah. And then I say, would you like to uh, chat a little bit about scholarships or uh, other educational opportunities that will help those students? Mm -hmm. So yes, absolutely. So, so we've got the, the, the technique, we've got the, the advice about how to build that skill set. Uh, but, you know, there's also young fundraisers out there that that look at a career like yours and aspire towards it. And, and they want to know, how do I go from being, you know, maybe the annual giving officer to the principal giving officer or maybe the AVP, maybe, you know, or, or maybe managing, you know, a team of of fundraisers. What advice do you have for those folks in in how to build build their career? Sure, sure. Well, I think um, uh, one of the big things is seek out experiences. You know, uh, be willing to say yes. Be willing to say, I don't know, but I'll find out. Or I don't know, but will you help me find out? So that you're working within your organization and your boss. But also, um, as you're talking with uh, prospects, with donors, with people, keeping your ears open and learning as much as you can. I think one of the other things that people can do um, is uh, become really curious. You know, have a, a sense of, of wanting to know everything. Uh, one of the things I love is the um, Skystone Partners. It's a consulting firm out of Cincinnati, actually. But they established a, um, an endowment at the AFP Foundation for Philanthropy. Yeah, yeah. And the uh, endowment actually awards a research prize to various books. 
And so each year there's a research prize, a Skystone Partners Research Prize. And so I think there, well, I think there have been about 18 of them so far, maybe. And and so I would suggest taking a look at the uh, books that have received the research prize. There's lots of, of good information out there. You know, as I mentioned earlier, I think uh, pursuing certification as soon as possible, finding a mentor. You know, uh, we often need guides in this life. And I think in uh, fundraising, it's not any different at all. Uh, I think that's really helpful. So uh, just those are a couple of things that immediately come to mind, Tom. No, those are great. That's wonderful advice. Well, gosh, Bill, this has been uh, just quite the masterclass on fundraising and technique. We've gone all over the place. It's, it's been wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're so grateful to have you on. Love to have you back on if, uh, if I can. Sure. Absolutely. I, I hope I haven't told you uh, and completely depleted my mind on this time, but I, I think I'll figure out some more things we could talk about. I'm, I'm sure you could. <laughs> I'm sure you could. Well, thanks again, Bill. Pleasure having you on and uh, look forward to seeing you again. Thank you. Same here. Thank you, Tom. Bye-bye. I'm your host, Tom Dauber. Thank you for joining me on this journey to major gift mastery on the Abundant Vision Fundraising Podcast.